All right, two of swords. Indecision, impartial, mediator, standstill. When the two of swords appears, you are putting off making a decision for now. You may be feeling ambivalence or uncertainty. You may not want to offend or hurt someone involved. The two of swords may represent the need for withdrawal in order to contemplate options. Be rational in making a decision. This card may indicate that you need to know more facts before you can make an informed decision. The two of swords could also be indicating that you are ignoring your emotions, using logic to deny how you're feeling. You may be denying the truth or compartmentalizing some aspect of your life in order not have to deal with it. Not to have to deal with it. <laughs> While it may be true that ignorance is bliss, ignorance or denial can also cause you to remain stuck in circular thinking and emotional patterns. Hmm, okay. Does that, any of that resonate with you, Jenna? Or? Um, yeah, a, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't make the rules, mate. You pulled that card. It I, must mean something. We're yeah, gonna have to, we have I to guess. dig. We're going to have to dig or we can just ignore it. <laughs> Alright, welcome to Fuck You Tarot Lady episode 11. I'm here with Jenna Kernigan. Kernigan, yes. Kernigan, Hello, thanks Rory for having me. <laughs> I was like, you were looking at me like, you yep. fucked oh, up yep. the name. It's like, no, I, I got that. Kernigan, thank yep. you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this is a fun one actually, because you and I uh, have been friends for some time, but it's kind of like a weird friendship that we'll see each other every once in a while. Randomly pop up every now and again. And the kind of thing that you mentioned before that you totally forgot how we first met, which was, would you like to enlighten the listeners of how we first met many moons ago? Um, yes, Rory and I were both involved with door-to-door sales <laughs> i don't know who that's more embarrassing for you or me both <laughs> and what were we selling door-to-door um, weren't we doing um we weren't actually selling we're doing solar panels <laughs> so we <laughs> tried to justify it as not being as bad because we're like we're not selling anything we're just booking appointments for then somebody else to come and sell you something that's right mm. so what we would do is our job listeners was having a door slam in your face about 99% of the time mm-hmm. and then 1% of the time someone being nice enough to say oh you know what I will book that appointment for someone to come and talk to us about solar panels which they would inevitably bail on and then we would only get our commission if that would happen and they claimed that people would cancel on those appointments but they totally didn't they were just trying to like take out scam us hard out of our commissions. cents worth of commissions <laughs> yeah <laughs> now how many days did you last uh, booking appointments for solar panels oh, less than two weeks i think i was there you did two weeks <laughs> yeah i did I like I did three days three days that's it it was like three yeah, days out I'm of like, there by the third day i was like spending the whole so listeners as you would imagine there's a bus <laughs> a mini bus of like all these like british people and people that are like desperate for work like jenna and i obviously <laughs> and we're all in this bus and they drop you in like a random development part of melbourne and like right knock on every door on these streets um by the third day i was just like on my phone the whole time just like in a park and just yep. being like looking at jobs on seek and being like what but the fuck is they, that? they tried to scare you as well by being like oh you've got this ipad and we can track where you're going and what? stuff Did Didn't we? yeah we had that right whoa no i don't remember that fear in me i was just like fuck it i'm just gonna stand in a park and look on seek and i started making i just started calling businesses like for jobs <laughs> yes. give me job getting paid while looking for other work <laughs> <laughs> crazy shit now at the time you were on the verge of a journey and then you jokingly said in the kind of interviews 
scenario where you were like, you were like, yeah, I want some solar panels for my van. Oh yes, <laughs> do I that? do remember that. Because you did a little bit, of, you did a bit of Australian travel. Yes. Um, so uh, my partner and I at the time started this uh, arts and travel project called Paint This Van, mm-hmm. um, and the idea was to kit out a van for ourselves to live and travel in, but. Um, while we were going around Australia, we would get in touch with artists from all over and they could paint murals on the side of the van. Um, so we had a big Ford Transit with no windows either side, so two big blank canvases. And um, it was kind of like a temporary mural, so someone would paint something and we'd keep it up for several weeks while we travelled around and took photos of it in great places. And then we'd paint over it white and get somebody else to give it a go. Amazing. Now, I realise I've thrown you into this whole scenario and I haven't even mentioned that you are a painter by oh, trade. Oh, yes, I'm You're a painter. Artist. Yes, obsessed with painting. <laughs> Happily. So this was something that was cool about you when like, I knew you were someone that I could bond with over the, the trauma that is doing door-to-door sales and then seeing on your Instagram that you have this like fantastic art tell us about your art how do you define it or like do you like abstract something you know yeah definitely abstract um (laughs) Um, I paint a lot of like really bright colorful abstract images um taking a lot of inspiration recently from like visionary art so kind of like fantastic realism Mm -hmm. um could you please explain fantastic realism to the listeners and me uh, so, yeah, visionary art or fantastic realism, I guess, is, incorporates realism um, and then also uh, spiritual um, and mystical kind of qualities to the images. Mm. Um, so you're using like a realistic way to paint, but painting a fantastical subject matter? Like, is that kind yeah, of how like you would define it? Contemporary or? visionary art is uh, much like realism with... Um, abstract patterns and images and visions um, incorporated into it. Cool. Um, but my style, like I draw inspiration from that, but mine's more um, in the abstract realm. So like abstract pattern and color, um, but with the visionary quality. Mm. Mm. That's pretty interesting, actually. How did you find your voice or find your style? Like when did you first pick up a paintbrush? Let's go straight back to the origins. All like- right. Um, well, I was thinking about this and I considered myself extremely lucky to have always known that I wanted to do art mm. since I was a young child. Um, and then, yeah, uh, started off by, started off by yeah, drawing heaps, um, and then probably started consistently painting when I was about 17. With, with drawing, are we talking like doing Like what's the... Um, yeah, coloured pencils. <laughs> like um, what, when you're drawing, like what, what are you drawing and what are you drawing with? Um, I used to use a lot of coloured pencils, but then also just a lot of black and white images. Cool. When I was younger, um, I recently went through some of my like folios from um, high school. Do you still have all that stuff? Yeah, I do. I kept it and That's I'm glad funny. I did because it's like really... Um, uh, enlightening to look back on that and be like oh my god what was i thinking back how, then how much of an embarrassment kind of threshold do you have to push through when you look at old work as an artist like oh, not so much embarrassment more just like curiosity about like oh my god i can't even um imagine what i was thinking at that time <laughs> <laughs> minor embarrassment yeah <laughs> like, minor yeah, yeah yeah a little bit of cringe yeah <laughs> So what kind of stuff was that, like, in those folios? Um, really dark stuff, like, black and white, all black and white. Um, like, I went through this phase where I took all these photos of myself, like, pulling the skin off my face in different directions and then, like, drawing that, like, with these Whoa. really warped faces and... 
Mate, I saw this bright artwork of yours. I think you can come on my podcast and you can finally like shed the gothness that I've had around this podcast this whole fucking time. And then I realized you're a secret goth. Oh, well, there was a transformation time. after that. <laughs> Cool. Um, okay, so you were doing some weird shit. Yeah, I was kind of shocked teenage... to go back and think how much um, teenage anxiety and stuff that I must have been experiencing at that time. Um, just an angsty little emo kid back in the day. Yeah, let's talk emo. Like, what was going on there? What music was being played in a, oh, a young Jenna's uh, teenage bedroom? Yeah, I definitely went through, like, kind of rock stage, like, you know, Ramones and Smashing Pumpkins and that kind of stuff. Um, and then it went even further into like red jumpsuit apparatus and trivium. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's good. Very twisted. Very, very marketable, like, mm. you know, angsty metal. I like yeah. that. It's good. Um, but then when I was 16, I stopped living with my parents in Torquay and started living with my dad in Ocean Grove. And like, oh my God, thank the stars for my dad. He started showing me so much. Um, just like the world of music out there and introduced me like Leonard Cohen and Nick Cave, Neil Young, um, cool. Fleetwood Mac, cool um, Dolly Parton. <laughs> oh, thank so you, you so threw, much. So you threw red, red jumpsuit apparatus yeah, out the window and then it was gone. all yeah. the classics. So, the classics. And then Fantastic. it was like MySpace days where you could find your favorite bands and then you go through their like top friends and then you find like all these really obscure bands. Yeah. And I went through this stage where it was like my mission to be like the most obscure person and listen to music that nobody else knew about. <laughs> I thought I was really Indian cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's had that no matter what kind of music you're into. Everyone has those moments where they're like, I just want to fucking find this thing and like be cool because like I found the thing that no one else knows about yet. Mm. That's totally, that's fantastic. Well, even, one good example was I discovered Little Dragon. Do you know that band? I don't know Little oh, Dragon. Amazing. Check them out. And you're still into them I still from when into you found them, them from yeah. MySpace. Mm-hmm. So that was like 16 and I'm still so into them. I've seen them play live so many times and they're amazing. <laughs> are they from Australia? Or no, they... I think Japanese wow. or American. Yeah. Way to go. Fucking MySpace, man. Yeah, MySpace. Made people famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any of your art on MySpace to show people? Did you put it up on a bulletin or whatever? Mm, what was the... No, I don't think MySpace days, but early Facebook days, definitely mm-hmm. posting some drawings and stuff on there. Cool. Yeah. And did you have like, obviously it sounds like your dad's pretty nurturing in the art scene and all that kind of stuff. Was art something you were doing all the time when you were like outside of school, you were just doing art? Like is that what school was focused on as well? Mm. Like you said you always wanted to be an art person. Yeah. At school I knew all I wanted to do was the art classes and Mm. my teachers all loved me because I actually cared about it compared to all the other kids who were just taking it as a bludge class. And that also mean meant that I got away with heaps of stuff like, oh, I'm going to the library and then just don't come yeah, back. <laughs> yeah. But I was super into it. Yeah. And after school, um, I just paint and on the weekends, started painting all the time. Um, had this little like green room at dad's house, oh. um, which is like all windows, like three of the walls were all windows, just looking out onto this beautiful garden. So it was my little painting studio at That's the time. Awesome. Yeah. So... Uh, how do you make the transition from drawing to painting? Because I feel like a lot of people would draw when they were like young and like art, but that step towards like, getting a canvas and getting like, do you start with acrylic paints or like, how did you, how did you make that transition? Um, yeah, I definitely think I started with acrylic and like watercolor. Maybe school kind of pushed you into doing that kind of stuff. And then mm. I just wanted to do it outside of school as well. So just um, started that way, I guess. And like, you have to ask dad to like buy you paint, right? 
Like, because yeah. <laughs> shit's expensive. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so what's the conversation there? It's like, hey, Dad, can you buy me a bunch of paint? Yeah, I guess so. Don't really recall. But Dad is also a painter by trade. So maybe oh. I would have started with some, like, house paint uh, on raw canvas, unprimed. <laughs> <laughs> it's all paint, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. It all works. You know, that's... House you know. paint's actually really fun to paint with. Mm. What's the difference? Like if you were using like a regular, like an, like an oil paint or an acrylic paint, how's that vary from like house paint? Um, house paint's really thick, but it can be also like watered down. So it's like quite versatile. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just has like really thick, bold color. So you don't have to apply as much to get like strong colors. Oh. There you go, listeners. So if you are um, in a rental place and there's like a bucket of paint somewhere like under the stairs, maybe just like yeah, throw on canvas. Hang on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, give it a okay. splat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I feel like this ace of, uh, what, what, what were you, two of swords, whatever the two swords, of swords was. Yes. Yeah, you're not indecisive at all. You knew this was fucking on the cards. You yeah. were like, I'm doing art. Yeah, I'm an artist. So then after high school, what did you do? Did you go and study art at uni or was there, what was the, what was the process there? What do you do when you're an artist? Well, um, I should probably talk about my gap year um, uh-huh. after high school, which was like a really transformative time for me. Um, I didn't really do much in that year, just a lot of partying, but also my friends and I got really into psychedelics and not in like the partying scene, but taking it, um, you know, with a small group of friends in safe spaces to try and become like spiritually enlightened, I guess. Whoa. And that like totally transformed my perception of the entire world and the art that I wanted to make. <laughs> um, um, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So who made that conscious decision? Was that like one of in the group was like, this is what we're doing? Yeah, I reestablished a friendship with um, one of my closest friends from primary school, just like randomly one night. And then we started hanging out all the time and she had access to psychedelics and was like, do you want to try it with me? And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. I'm on my gap year. Like yeah. this is the time yeah. to do all the crazy shit. I got no commitments. Yeah. So yeah, let's do it. Um, talk, talk to me about how... That you said it, it changed kind of the shape of everything, you know, like what did you see when you were there that you've brought back to real life that's kind of still with you now? Like what were the things that kind of like earth shattering moments? Um, like uh, energy becoming visible, like everything had an aura and um, energy flowing to and from it and you could see how things were connected and um, just like a much more broader spectrum of color becomes visible to you as well rather um, than just in your physical sight. Wow. Um, so I was just, yeah, really inspired by all of these amazing intense colors and patterns that I'd never experienced before. And so what I really... you're saying is psychedelics broke your emo streak. And yeah, then, definitely. And, and, and opened you up to be a much more vibrant, happy person that yes. I know now. The folios I was referring to before it's all black and white, dark stuff. And then there's the day, the first day I took acid. And then the rest of the folio is all colorful, bright, amazing patterns. Whoa. So, yeah, it was almost like a really immediate transformation for me. That's So you had to just like throw out all the black and white paint? Yeah, and it was like, this is when I'm going to get all the paint and the color injected into everything. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So... So, I'm thinking now, thinking, looking at your art, which we'll have to put up on the Instagram, by the way, so people kind of know what, oh, yeah, what, what we're talking about. But um, it is it is quite psychedelic and it is quite vibrant. And that all came from that moment. Yeah, pretty much. That was the moment that kind of started it all for me. Fuck. Yeah. So you owe, you owe a lot to Yikes. that kind of 
that kind of uh, psychedelic realm. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. I've never had anyone just come on the show and just be like, yeah, this is the moment it happened. Boom, boom. Like done. I mean, obviously my style and um, has been evolving ever Hmm. since, but that was definitely the moment that was like, yeah, the trajectory of my art. Wow. So how old are you now? I'm 26. So that was like eight years ago, you gap year. Mm-hmm. In in that time, and then what's happened since then? Like how... Shit, that's a lot. That's a lot of time to cover. I'm not going to make you answer that whole question. Um, let's do. So you did the gap year. What else happens over that gap year? Because I'm sure there would have been some other transformative things. I can't really remember. <laughs> that's it. Too many psychedelics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> it was just. Um, yeah, I, did, the... I didn't really achieve much in that year. It was a lot of partying and socializing, and um, just yeah, making new friendships and. Um, yeah, kind of discovering who you are outside of the regiment of school routine. Oh, man. And I think that's super important. So many people, you can see them now, like to this day, that they're like our age and then they're like still in school mode or mm. they still think about world in hierarchies. And this. it's like, you don't need, yeah. you can you just let that go, dude. Like school was years ago. <laughs> just even the little things like being told when you can have lunch and stuff. Like, you know, this is your allotted meal time. I'm like, no, I'll eat when I'm hungry. Thank you very much. <laughs> So it was just you in your gap year just dismantling the system that was in place from years of institutionalized, you know, schooling and yeah, whatever. Yeah, never really liked school. So it was definitely a happy year for me to finally like break free of all of that. Great. Um, and then the year after when I was 19, I moved to the city and started a diploma of visual arts at RMIT. Mm-hmm. And I was only there for a couple of months before I dropped out because um, it wasn't what I was expecting or wanting in my life at that time. I guess I wanted to learn heaps of new skills that I had never done before, like ceramics and printmaking. And I thought that I would get taught the skills in kind of like a structured way. Um, But it was very loose, the teaching style there. It was like, here's some you know, ceramics materials, just go make whatever you want. And I'm like, well, no, I want you to teach me how to do it. So I was like, I'm not going to pay all this money to, to you know, not really with, learn. Yeah. I can go teach myself outside of this kind of school structure. Without a giant hex debt. Yeah. So, Shit. Um, yeah, I just left and got like a part-time job and then just started making my own art heaps um, in my spare time. It's a, it's a funny predicament to be in when you're in that kind of world because I know that um, I have experience of that with dropping out of film school after a year. Same deal. Like you're like 19, you've had a gap year. Very similar to me, funnily enough. You're, you're kind of, I feel like you're, you and I are on that same thing where it's like you go and you do it and you're like, what am I doing this for? You know? Yeah. Like I'm going to film school to have some guy tell me how to structure a thing. It's like I, I can... I can figure this out yeah, myself. exactly. Yeah. I think so, it's just like the expected norm that's pushed onto a lot of people. Like you go to high school and then you go to uni. But yeah. It doesn't work for everyone that way. So that's it. Did you ever do any further study after that? Um, yeah. In 2017, so two years ago, I started a Bachelor of Creative Arts at Deakin in Geelong. And that was an amazing year. Like I had the best year. Um, but then at the start of 2018, when I went to go back, I actually had a bunch of solo exhibitions lined up for myself and I couldn't, uh, balance the schoolwork and making all this work for exhibitions. So Mm. I decided to defer for the first trimester and then it got to the middle of the year and I'm like, oh, well, I'm still making heaps of art and having shows. So I don't think I need to go back again. (laughs) 
That's fantastic, right? Because wouldn't everyone go to, to uni or t- to do study to get to that point where you would be doing exhibitions and you would be showing your stuff and you would be working all the time? Like Yeah, so it kind of felt like not necessary. But that one, that first year, I really needed that. Like it taught me so much. What kind of stuff? Um, really to kind of break out of the shell that I was in. Like leading up to that, I was almost a little bit afraid of putting my art out there I was a bit of a perfectionist like refining my work for like months and months on end and then it was so personal to me that I was a little bit scared to put it out there yeah I feel Um, like there'd be heaps of artists out there that are scared to put it's that Marty McFly like fear of failure like what if people think it's no good yeah is that that all the stuff that's going through your mind definitely that fear of failure oh man we need to embrace failure especially in the arts just go out there and fail and fail and fail again until you feel like you're getting it right wow there's so much to learn in failure like um even if it's just the tiniest little thing um it'll help you so much and to fail at least you know you're trying so i just encourage people to try and change the meaning of that word instead of it having like a bad kind of meaning around it. Do you it. know what it's probably, it's from that institutionalized fucking schooling yeah, system. Yeah, like pass or know? fail. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh shit. So mm. you reckon that's why a lot of, because everyone has that. I think everyone listening is probably thinking, yeah, fuck, I've never put that thing out or I've never shown my friends that thing because they're scared of they're scared of failure. failure and rejection, but yeah. you're going to constantly face that in the arts and you're just going to keep pushing through that. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. That's really, really cool. So, um, we'll, we'll, let's jump back a little bit in time. So you dropped out of that first year of uh, RMIT, mm-hmm. and then how did you how did you push yourself? Because it's really easy to do art when you're at school, because like your job is to be there and to do art. When you left, did you feel like you had a, a lack of motivation, or were you like even more driven to? Yeah, to- total opposite. I've always been super motivated to paint and create art. Um, it's just everything else that comes along with surviving I guess that I'm less motivated for (laughs) Mm. that's Um, fantastic mm. because a lot of times I feel like there are so many people that would uh, have like a job and they're like happy to just kind of be above water and like oh I'll do that thing eventually like I'll do that art or I'll do that thing but you never had that you always want to just be doing art and then rent money might be a bit of an issue in the future (laughs) yeah yeah a little bit like that (laughs) you know finding um, part-time jobs and casual jobs to kind of get me by and buy all my art supplies and um, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. art shit's expensive, man. Yeah. Like, how much is like a what 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 medium do you use at the moment? Are you an oil paint kind of person? No, or? I'm all acrylics. You're all acrylics. Yeah, and that's a bit cheaper, isn't it? It is, but it's not. Like, you don't cheap out, or I don't cheap out on my paints. So you get what you pay for. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, it's not the cheapest and not the most expensive, but I've managed to accumulate a lot of paint over the years so I don't have to, you know, um, go out and buy a lot at one time. It's usually only, like, one or two colours at a time these days. Mm-hmm. And how do you base that on? Like, what do you... Do you just feel a certain colour or you need a certain thing at a certain time? Like, what's the, what's the process? Um, yeah, I, I guess when I'm coming up with an, a painting or a new idea it'll might be I might do a lot of color experimentation leading up to that so lots of color trials um, deciding which colors I think will work the best and then other times it's like I know this has to be purple or I know it has to be these three colors and then you know just going for that when you're doing color trials is that just on like a piece of paper and you're just like kind of like putting yeah. them next to each other or seeing how they yeah I just get a palette knife and um, mix 
the colors um, down the page so you can see it from its darkest and then mix it with white into light so I can see which colors are going to complement what other colors. Super cool. Yeah. I'm assuming that's like a that's a thing that artists do, right? Like, you I think do. that's what other artists do as well. You wouldn't yeah, know. You didn't surely. study. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, kind of getting to the final version of this, like your art now, it has a very specific look. It has a very specific feel. It is very warm and flowy and yeah, spiritual now that you've said yeah, that. I never definitely. really kind of realized mm. that until I'm like, oh, yeah, it is a bit like that. Like um, how did you get to that point that I've seen your art now? when you first kind of bailed on RMIT, like what, what, did, how did your art evolve from there? You said you were using color, but then how did you get to this next point? Um, I would say just like countless hours of practice, um, just painting and painting all the time, lots of experimenting using different methods and materials. I do a lot of reading and research about um, other artists' methods and how they apply paint. Um, and then trying to adapt that to my own style, um, experimenting with different brushes, different paints. Um, so over many years, I was just like painting all the time. Um, and then, yeah, you eventually refine it into something that you feel like is your style, I guess. Yeah. Um, like it's to the point now where like if I saw someone else doing something that looked like yours, I'd think, oh, that's like Jenna's style. Like. Because you had to kind of... Oh, thank you. But you know what I mean? my own style, yes. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I've, yeah. I haven't seen anything like your work before. That's not to say, you know, I'm not the most cultured art man, you know, so there mm. might be stuff out there that has a similar look. But but I'm really drawn to the stuff that you do because it's like, oh, wow, that's really unique. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But that's... And I was hoping you were going to give me uh, like, oh, no, I just fucking winged it. But it's like, no, I put in heaps of hard work to do mm. it, which if any listeners are thinking that it might just be as simple as that, it's sadly yeah, no. not. It takes a long time. But now, like... Leading up, the last 18 months have been like really transformative for me in my painting style. And I feel like everything that I've been doing recently has kind of led me up to this point that I am at right now. Ooh. The most recent painting that I'm working on at the moment is kind of like what I have been envisioning my art to look like for many years, but I haven't been able to technically achieve it until right now. Wow. So I'm like so totally on top of the world at the moment. That's like, amazing. Yes. Congratulations oh, on <laughs> self-actualizing. Yes. Um, what, what are the things that you saw in your mind that you couldn't get before that's in these paintings now? Like, is it, is it a level of like finesse or is it a level of like vibrancy or like, how would you describe this, this, final form yeah finesse it's, it's almost a lot about um like the depth and layering um of the paint and of the pattern that i use so even though my past works have been um quite you know there's a lot of three dimension and depth in it it's now that i've started this new style i look back on that and realize that it was still quite flat um oh. you're still kind of working in the two dimension and now i've really gone into like the three dimension like you're really looking into like a portal or something into another dimension in, through the painting. Um, so wow. yeah, I'm really stoked at the moment about it. <laughs> Good thing I had you on at this perfect time. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, so um, this work you're working on right now, can people see that at some point? Like, is it going to be shown somewhere or like what's the, yeah, what's the, well, what's the launch of this, of this portal? Um, I'd really, so this is the start definitely of a whole new body of work that I want to create. Um, so yeah, I'd like to apply for an exhibition next year, maybe mid next year. I'm not sure where yet. Um, but 
yeah, it will. I, I want to cre- just keep creating work in this style. So hopefully heaps and heaps of paintings. <laughs> I was thinking maybe you were going to say, I've finally done it. So I'm just going to pack it up now and just oh, like, yeah. give, my own- <laughs> give, it, give it up now. <laughs> just go get a real life now. And just, you know, I'm done. I've just, I've clocked, I've clocked art. I've done it. <laughs> you could never have it done, done it all in the arts. <laughs> Is there ever anything that you want to explore that, um, you know, is a bit left of centre? Like, do you ever paint anything that's not your style? Do you ever just, like, have a bit of a play and do other stuff? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, so in that one year that I was doing uni and then maybe for the first six months last year, I did heaps of really experimental stuff like um, painting with my body and um, incorporating my body a lot into my practice. When you mean, is it like, put paint on yourself and then, yeah. like, roll on the ca- – like, are you rolling on it or, like, do you just, like ju- – like lie down flat on it (laughs) a a bit of both I did this thing called paint dance where um I got all these tarps and pieces of paper and like lied them on the ground and against a wall and painted myself slowly while I was dancing and then also like rolling around in the paint and making marks with my body on the wall and the floor um, so that was a pretty fun experiment. Um, it just sounds like the greatest thing that someone would walk in on to be like, uh, g'day. Hey, you, rolling around in the paint. <laughs> Fantastic. And what did you learn from that kind of experiment? Um, yeah, I was trying to get more in touch with like my body and um, like embracing the feminine um, within me at that time. So um, that did kind of really help with that. Cool. And then it kind of led on to this other project that I did uh, where it was like body prints. So I painted all the front of my body and like printed my naked body onto um, foam core. Um, and What's made foam all, core? Oh, it's like a really light, um, smooth kind of like a cardboard but it's white and plasticky on the outside. It's like a white plasticky surface and then it's got the little um triangles like the corrugated yes. on the inside yeah cool it's just really lightweight and easy to transport so that's why i used it <laughs> cool and then so so was it just like one outline of you like would you just go pump onto the paper or onto the white card thing and yeah that's pretty it? much yeah i did a few though like a whole series um and they're all like different poses like so on the side or just getting one bit at a time, like one boob and one hand and <laughs> one thigh. <laughs> but they'd all end up on the same piece, like... No, different sections. Oh, so it was wow. like, yeah, yeah, I ended up presenting it at uni as um, a triptych, which is like three pieces that yeah. kind of come together as one. Um, so s- one was a boob, one was a thigh, one was an arm. No, one was like a front on, like all front of my body printed. Yeah. Um, and then the other two were like side on ones that were kind of in like dancing poses somewhat. Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked it and my teacher liked it, but the rest of the students were a little bit um, confronted by it. <laughs> was it clearly obvious that it was just like you naked on a yeah. pressed against a piece of paper definitely and i used like really deep red as well so it was like people were a little bit like oh is that period blood and i'm like maybe it is <laughs> yeah i'm doing art man yeah, it's fucking provoke it's you you feminist know feminist art <laughs> <laughs> wow that's fucking cool though uh, i guess that's the upside to like you're saying like going to school because then you're just you get this chance to explore and do stuff and the teacher goes good work <laughs> yeah like, oh I bonded with my teacher so much that year. He's such a legend, Shane McGrath. Um, He makes heaps of really funny kind of like installation art. Um, But he was just like this huge wealth of knowledge. Like he knew so much about art and all these different artists and would just push you so much. He's like, 
you should never settle for your first idea. You've got to always like brainstorm, experiment, refine, um, which was like really what I needed at that time to just kind of push myself and experiment heaps instead mm. of just sticking in my little bubble that I knew that I was good at already. Mm. Mm. I think what you've just described is exactly the reason why you would want to go to school. You know, like having someone who's supportive and passionate and will teach you stuff that yeah, you actually want to know. Definitely. <laughs> Which I feel like you don't usually get any of those things when you go to school. Mm. Oh yeah, I feel really lucky to have had him because I had him for like most of my classes that year when yeah. I could have had a whole assortment of teachers, but I just had like him mostly. Cool. So that, that was pretty awesome. Sick. All right. Mm. What other kind of experimentation have you done other than like putting your painted body on a canvas? What um, else have you kind of I made a with? bunch of like uh, paper sculptures. I wanted to play with like light and shadow. Um, so that was pretty fun, like rolling up paper. Oh, yeah, I saw those on Instagram, like all the kind of like, yeah, it almost looked like a maze or something. Yeah, in the a end, little bit. Know, like, mm. Maybe that's just me because I love The Shining or something, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it, looked, it started looking a bit hedge mazy, like it started looking yeah, a bit yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I like hung them up like a... Um, Oh, what are those things that babies have? And like it's, a mobile? Yeah, like a mobile. So I hung them up so they all like spun in different directions at different times. Cool. That was like one kind of experiment. Um, and I experimented with um, different paints like acrylic ink paint and sponge brushes. Oh, this is really fun what's, what's for a, artists a out there. Brush? So it's a it's essentially a sponge on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you can dip it in like several different colors at once and then kind of pull it across so it creates like rainbow streaks. Oh. So fun. I definitely recommend if you just want to have a little play around with some paints, go try that one. Go get a sponge, sponge a brush and sponge some brush. like liquid, super liquid acrylics. Oh. Mm. That's really cool. Actually, now that you say that as well, talking about the, the paper mobile stuff, that would give you a bit of insight into like three dimensions when it comes to light and shadow with the work that you do now, right? Yeah, I wanted to experiment with that to um, eventually use in like painting, I guess, like just kind of, um, yeah, the way that light and shadow works in that kind of three-dimensional shape. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you get it. it. It gives you reference to then. Put. Yeah, like um, exposing yourself to different shapes that you wouldn't really find in your day to day. Yeah, the kind of shapes you work with don't pop up in nature no, or anything. Like you know, the physical world, really. <laughs> only in people's brains on a really good time. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. Okay, so we mentioned it a little bit earlier the the van thing. Tell us a little bit that. So when we first met, you're selling solar panels. <laughs> for two weeks I can't believe you lasted that long um, and you jokingly said you wouldn't mind some some solar panels to put on this van because mm. you were going around Australia so tell us a little bit about that this is in the middle of studies in the middle of this p- yeah. period uh, how many years ago would that have been now like four, I think it was like three, 2016 four. that we left cool yeah um, it was such a fun project and I had such a fun time Um, And we were really lucky. We kind of put the word out there, like, does anyone want to get involved with this while we were still living in Melbourne? And um, this kind of pretty well-known artist called Mick Sheeter. Have you heard of him? No. I I haven't, but that's not... I'm sorry, Mick Sheeter. I'm sure you're fantastic. (laughs) I just... Very fantastic. Yeah, he, like, put his hand up and was like, I would love to come over and paint your van. So that kind of really gave the 
project um a really big kickstart a lot of Fantastic. other people oh because he was like the dude he was quite well known like, yeah oh, I, can, I want to do the van i want to pay yeah. on the van. Oh, he's done it i want to do it as well um we didn't have to ask people people were just contacting us being like i want to paint the van come here come yeah. there so that was amazing. We thought we'd have to really kind of um, hustle. hassle people to come and paint the van for us. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, yeah, such a good experience. All the artists we worked with were just amazing, so talented and like so passionate about what they were doing and really welcoming to like Callum and I, like letting us stay at their house and feeding us and showing us around the towns that they lived in. So what kind of towns did you go to? Like a good segue, like where did you go while you were in this van driving around Australia? We kind of zigzagged up the East Coast. So we'd go coast for a little bit and then country for a little bit, um, kind of the whole way up to... The highest up we got was um, 1770, um, Agnes Water, 1770. Um, I don't even, but I, that sounds like it's pretty fucking high. Yeah, it's a little bit above Bundaberg, oh, I guess, okay. a couple okay. of hours. Yeah. Um, beautiful up there as well. Well, everywhere. So New South Wales is amazing. It's probably the most beautiful place in Australia, I reckon, wow. in my opinion. <laughs> Be cool. And that's cool because I guess a lot of people don't go to these places, you know, like you're really getting out there. Yeah, well, and leading up to that, um, living in Melbourne, we had a lot of couch surfers um, and stuff come stay with us and then made a lot of tourist friends. And they're all like, oh, have you been to this and this place in Australia? And I'm like, no, oh, my God, I've hardly been anywhere in Australia. <gasps> like, it's so huge. And we all think to, oh, we're going to go on holiday. Let's immediately go overseas. But it's like we live in this huge, amazing, beautiful country where the landscape varies so much. Why not explore here first? Yeah. Fantastic. And then the fact that you could tie that into an art project as well. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, that led to you having fantastic interactions with people that were letting you eat food and like all these things where it's like, great, because they're the things you worry about when you're traveling, right? Like, yeah. where's the next good meal coming from? Or yeah. where, where can I shower? How, yeah, where can I shower? That was a big one. <laughs> where did you, did you guys have one of those pop top showers? Like, um, we eventually got like a solar shower, which is like a big bag and you leave it in the sun to heat up. <laughs> And then hang it up on a tree or whatever and shower after yeah. that. Um, but you'd be surprised in New South Wales and Queensland, there's a lot of like RSLs and stuff that have like public toilets with hot showers in them oh. that you can just go and use. We had this thing called Wikicamps, which is like this app you can get. Yeah. And it's all user-based, so it tells you... Um, where good free campsites are and people will write in being like yeah this is really good or um go here during this season but don't go here in the wet season you'll get bogged um that kind of thing and um people post yeah where you can have free showers and stuff that's on awesome. there, which was handy so you did that you were on the road for how long in total um i think i was on the road for like five months and mm-hmm. before we came back to victoria um and then i kind of had like a revelation and was like so inspired by all these artists that we'd been working with i decided oh i can't really go on dedicating all of my time to furthering other people's art i should be paying attention to what i want to make yeah Um, so i decided to stay in victoria and that's when i enrolled in uni oh right so 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 doing the van stuff was super transformative for you in that aspect where it's like i need to I need to get back. Yeah. I, need to... I needed to just um, have more time and space to be able to create art for myself. 
having seen all these other amazing artists that were doing it for them, their selves. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I've got to do that as well for me. <laughs> did, so with the van, did you paint – how many times did you paint the van? Did you do it one time? I just did it once. You only did it one time? Yeah. You thought because you were in the van, you're like, oh, let's fucking paint it again. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't really like the work that I created on the van because yeah. I was so stressed at the time um, because we'd been seeing all this other amazing art. It was like, oh, is mine going to measure up? Oh, I don't know. And I just like stressed over it so much that I didn't really have fun creating it and then wasn't really happy with the end pro- um, product. Yeah, right. Love to give it another go or another large scale work. <laughs> Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, what kind of size do you work in? Like, painting the side of a van, it takes fucking ages, right? Yeah, it took me a couple of days, um, but most of the other artists did it in, like, one day or two days. They're very speedy and efficient. Wow. um, Which I was super impressed by. Yeah, at that point, do you need to, like, have a camera that, like, with a thing and you watch back or you just stand back and look at it every once in a while? Like, wouldn't you lose yourself in a giant canvas that's the side of a van? Like... not really like yeah all you have to do is just kind of step back every now and again to make sure you're not getting too lost in the nitty-gritty details (laughs) yeah i could imagine like i feel like you'd be like i'm nailing this bit over here and then it's like just the door and it's like (laughs) it's just the handle (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so what kind of artists like uh in that journey and you were saying you're inspired by like what were you inspired by specifically like just their ability to do what they wanted to do or like their kind of style or like what was the thing that kind of like made you go oh I need to do more yeah definitely um the motivation that I saw in a lot of these artists and like them talking about all the other works that they were doing outside of that project and in their art lives um that was really like eye-opener for me being like oh fuck I really need to get my gear on and like get really motivated and start making heaps more work than what I was making like I did bring some painting supplies in the van but I think I did like one painting in that five months that we were there oh really like it's nowhere near enough (laughs) yeah so wow that's actually really interesting so it didn't it didn't push you to do more art at the time it was just kind of like it felt like a bit more of a holiday like you felt like you were kind of running from from doing art like yeah it was definitely a holiday but then also like we were doing quite a bit of work to try and promote paint this van and the artists that were involved as well like Mm. we made a website and artist profiles and we made videos of all of the paintings coming together and heaps of photos you kind of gopro stuff yeah Yeah, and we even had a little bit of um a vlog going like a travel vlog so we spent a lot of time you know filming that and then like editing it on the laptop and whatnot it was pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) so all these other things are getting in the way of doing art as a whole yeah and then also like the travel factor being like oh my god this is amazing look on new place every day wow Mm. so lucky yeah yeah that's awesome um so let's talk so you were talking about you need to get moving you need to get that kind of trajectory going i assume when you're an artist and you're making art you do a exhibition yeah like that's the next step right so and you were saying that you were doing exhibitions after that first year of uni. Had you done exhibitions before then? Like, what, what was your experience with like exhibiting your art? As someone who said before, you're a bit had a bit of a fear of fear of failure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, in the couple of years leading up to before the van thing, I started participating um in a lot of group shows in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um in a lot of different settings from like small pubs to big galleries. Um, yeah. How do you get onto you know how do you get your art onto those 
it, shows, you know? Uh, I guess just um, subscribing to a lot of like the gallery newsletters and then seeing when group exhibitions pop up and applying for it, um, getting being social with people, like getting in touch with people through Facebook who you can see are kind of involved in the art scene and um, they tend to host events or small group exhibitions which you know, like message them and be like, can I be a part of this? Um, there was one even, this really weird art prize that I got involved with um, and it was like for these apartments and it was like the winning work gets um, like a cash prize and it gets hung up in these the lobby of the apartments there. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> and, um, cool. That was, that was a bit of a weird one but it was good to be a part of, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of like little weird things like that. So you just always got to keep your ear to the ground as an artist. You've always got to try and find places where you can kind of get your stuff yeah, seen. Yeah, I guess in Melbourne, um, definitely, yeah. Try and get an, it um, like as involved with the art culture up there as you can. But I, yeah, I wasn't as involved as I should have been at that time. Still a little bit shy, a little bit mm, scared of failure and rejection and a little bit afraid to put my stuff out there. Yeah. Um, so where was that? So was that break point once you went back to Deakin and that's when you were like, fuck it, I'm just going to show art. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I was just like, screw the failure. Just put it all out there. I just want to keep making and putting it out there. The world needs to see this. Just go for it. Go, go, go. Yeah, that's <laughs> fantastic. So um, does that? do you think there also might have been a bit of a safety net being like back in Geelong as well? Like, like where you're from, you feel a bit more... Was there any of that? No, going not on really, because I grew up in Torquay and I had a really big friend base down here. Uh-huh. And then when I moved back, I didn't know anyone. Really? No Where did you go? Melbourne and right. beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I had maybe one friend living in Aries. I was living in Torquay. And then while I was there, a couple of friends like moved down temporarily. But yeah, I had to try and make a whole new friend base Mm -hmm. um and i eventually have in geelong Uh, i would love the opportunity to just like pump up geelong for a little bit that's what i was segueing straight to jenna we're we're straight into it yes geelong yes the both of us who have both lived in melbourne for a couple of years and then and done arty kind of stuff up there and then come back there is something i definitely feel like there's a bit of a weird safety net about geelong because it's like I'm going to just put my shit out and I'm not going to be stressed about it. And it's dumb because like the same people are going to see it, but it's like, I don't know. There just feels like there's a safety to it. So it's well, like, it's, you can, you, I feel like you can try more, you can do more things. You can be a bit less, you know, like withheld. You yeah, know? Um, definitely. I think that sense of safety comes from the sense of community down here. Like mm. I never experienced anything like it in Melbourne. Obviously it's a much bigger city and it's more cutthroat. Um, and competitive which definitely is but since I've been in Geelong everyone has just like embraced me with open arms seriously it's just like so supportive everyone down here gets so invested in everybody else's work and really goes out of their way to support them like no matter what whether it's like attending events buying prints buying art um, you know buying albums Um, it's just really support it's like a family down here seriously I found my creative family in Geelong thanks everyone you know who I'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) that's great so tell me about like so um, we were 
speaking off mic earlier about like the places where you will exhibit or the places that you kind of uh, are involved with at the moment. Do you want to talk about them and shine a light on those kind of places? Um, yeah, well, so in January of last year, I um, put a work in this group show at Analog Academy in Geelong. Um, and then through that, like started meeting heaps of creatives in Geelong. And I ended up having a solo exhibition there last year. Um, which was pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> There's a dog barking. Yes, and I, so... I don't think it's my dog though. No. But anyway, he wants it, to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my apologies. So solo show, and that like, what kind of stuff did you show then? And that's, was that your first um, ever solo exhibition? Well, actually, yeah, I might skip back a little bit. Um, before that, in March, I had my first ever solo exhibition Ooh. at um, this bar in Torquay called Senors, uh-huh. and they had like feature artists per month. Um, and a little like opening thing on a Sunday afternoon. So um, that was my first ever like just me work. Wow. Um, which was pretty exciting for me. I'm like, yay, just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that nerve wracking? Like, like, how are you feeling like on that the morning of that Sunday, you know, before you're heading down? Yeah, I was a bit nervous, um, but mostly excited. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really like a traditional exhibition opening. It was just kind of like a regular Sunday there featuring my art, you know, people coming in for lunch and stuff and there's me sitting there having a drink with my friends like yeah you wanna, you wanna, exhibition wanna, kind of you want to buy that thing back there <laughs> yeah go for it yeah <laughs> oh that's really exciting yeah. so that all those kind of jitters are out of the way and then you do this one analog yeah which was, when was that one sorry um so that was in june it was initially supposed to be a bit later but josh who runs analog was going overseas and he's like i really want to see your work can i bump you up to this time slot which was only three weeks in the future And I really wanted to push myself and create like a whole new body of work, something a bit different to the style that I'd been working in. So I created nine works in three weeks, which was a bit insane for me, um, having usually spending like months on a piece at a time. Um, So that was a good challenge and rewarding as well. I created some pretty cool work. Um, Yeah, so I was pretty stoked on that. Shit. So how long do you reckon it takes you to do, like, without a time, if there's not a time limit going on, how long would it take you to do, like, a piece of art? It changes all the time. I'm getting faster and more efficient, which I'm pretty happy about. Um, when you say faster, more efficient, like, are you, like, going over the stuff less or are you, like, does, is it a whole sooner? Like, what are you, like, how are you getting faster at it? Or are you just getting, are you just faster at painting? Um, more um, intuitive and I trust myself a lot more now than I used to, I guess, while painting. Painting, I used to second guess myself a lot uh-huh. and now from more experience I'm just like trusting in my gut more and really going for it and um, that's helping me to yeah kind of finalize my vision a lot quicker than I used to cool. and then also as well just practice like building up the skills and techniques um, that can execute them a lot better now you know so if you're learning guitar you know the first chord you learn is a little bit hard, but then, you know, down the line, you'll be able to strum it. Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> That's a pretty I bad analogy on my I part. Think it's, I think it's very similar. Like, if you're going to pick up a guitar at the start, you're not going to be nearly as good. And then yeah. by the time you've got those skills, you can... You'll be shredding it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shoulder style. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, okay, so Analog Academy, obviously in Geelong, anyone who's from Geelong knows that that is... And if you don't know it, get around it, seriously. It's great. So it's nestled up, it's hidden in a little back street. Yeah, a little alleyway. Yeah, off Ferrari Street. Mm -hmm. And it's got, you know, we've done life drawing there before. There's like poetry nights. There's all kinds of stuff going on there, man. It's super cool. Like, and it is, it does feel like a little homey homey kind of place to go to, you know. Um, 
So that's obviously a big one at Geelong, pushing kind of art and cultivating and helping young up-and-coming artists, which yeah, is fantastic. Definitely. Tell us more about other places in Geelong where that have been that have been like a part of that family for you. Um, so recently uh, have been attending a lot of events at um, Courthouse Youth Arts, which just this week rebranded themselves and they're now called Platform Arts. Um, they host a lot of really great exhibitions um, from local artists in Geelong and then like other events. Um, last year for Geelong After Dark, I was a part of a performance there, which was really awesome Ooh, up in the, the theatre. So um, there's a band called um, in Geelong called Final Final. Everyone get around them. They're amazing. Also, I'll just plug Solid them a little bit. Serious yeah, Final good. Final next Saturday, they're going to be... Um, releasing their their first album launch um, at court or at platform, platform arts platform. yes get around it <laughs> i'm gonna try to get this episode up before next saturday what's, yeah, so what's that what date's that the 7th 7th of december mm-hmm. all right listeners if this is like the 6th of december when you're listening you've got to get yeah, down yeah, quick get, get, get down get amongst jeringhouse street <laughs> in geelong so there so you did a performance with them yeah for After Dark. um so josh um from final final and who like runs analog um had written this like forty thousand word poem about um jazz and doom and like the end of the world um, oh, was was Alex Williams involved in that as well? Uh, yeah, he. Uh, what's his name? Pug. Pug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, he was in I it, call yeah. him Alex because I've known him for some time. Oh yeah, I guess <laughs> I just Pug. got introduced to him as Pug. <laughs> hey Pug, I'm pretty sure you listen to this right now because I check the listeners and there's uh, always one listener in Vietnam and he's in oh, Vietnam okay, right yeah, now. So that. Alex Pug, if you're listening to this. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so you must have done that with him, right? Yeah. Remember him telling me a similar story about, yeah, this giant thing, you had to read this thing out. And you were a part of that as yeah, well, Yeah, it was wow. really amazing. So he, um, they had the courthouse, uh, the theatre upstairs. Uh-huh. And so the band set up in the centre of the room. Um, and then, so they played music. And then there was four of us in um t-shirts that josh had embroidered himself that all had like religious kind of terms on it like mine was like the souring of bread um and then i had an emotion on the back i think i was chaos there was there was four like emotions um and we sung a little bit in a choir we sang some verses and then we broke off and we did interpretive dance for two hours <laughs> while they played improv music and Pug Alex read out some words from the poem. Whoa. And um, yeah, it was all about how um, the end of the world was coming, but jazz would be our savior. <laughs> it was pretty epic. Any truth to that you reckon? You reckon jazz could save us all? Yeah, definitely. Mm, all music can save us all. Very mm. much so. I was going to say, we don't have to limit it to jazz, do we? No, all, all music. I get down with some jazz, though. Mm, yeah, definitely. So that's amazing. So how, so that is just because you knew Josh from Analog and they, you got roped in that way? Or yeah, yeah, you well, he, like, did you put your hand up? Like, I want to be a part of Drawing After Dark. Yeah, no, Josh was looking for people to be a part of his choir. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll be a part of it. And like, I'd like to be a part of it. Can you um, sing? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm really terrified of singing in public. So it was like a good push for me cool. to do something like that. Yeah, um, I think I'd be like cool as a book. Yeah, I'm ready to help. And he'd be like, you want to be part of the choir? I'd be like, uh. Well, I knew there'd be other people singing with me. So mm. I'm like, all right, I can definitely do that. And then he's like, oh, do you also want an interpretive dance for two hours? And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm all about that. I will shred. Did you get tired after interpretive dancing for two hours? I, I thought that I would, but it finished and I was like, are we done already? That didn't feel like two hours. Like it literally flew by. 
how interpretive was the dance? Like how much, how much were you moving? Were you like, you know? Oh yeah. Like we were, so the band was in the center and then all the audience were invited to kind of sit and stand around in a circle. And yeah. we were like going crazy, you know, like end of the world interpretive dance Full on. and like, um, really getting up in the audience faces and stuff as well, trying to like involve them and kind of intimidate them somewhat. <laughs> I love that um, we're in a podcast right now, but Jenna just did give me evil eyes. <laughs> you were really being like, oh, like, yes, embracing so that you were end like of the world vibe. Staring into the souls of the people who just wanted to come and check out a weird art installation yeah. at Geelong after dark and you've just freaked them fuck out. Some huh? people definitely, you could tell by their faces, were like, what the hell is this? But then some people stayed for the whole two hours and i was like oh that's yeah, awesome. epic like good good effort on their part like i guess i would have stayed for the whole two hours i thought it was awesome <laughs> you know, to be like i would have fucking bailed yeah, lots of people would bring their little kids in and then there was a lot of references to like penis and vagina and that kind of stuff in the poem that was being read so you yeah. could see them kind of walk in and then okay. swoop their kids <laughs> out like go. <laughs> shouldn't have walked in there <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of funny, yeah. You bringing up Geelong After Dark because that's a pretty cool. Um, it kind of runs concurrently with White Night. So we have a White Night in Geelong. But we also have Geelong After Dark, and that seems to be our own invention, right? Like I think so. And that's yeah. pretty cool because you've got all these, you know, like Pug doing stuff and yourself and all other local artists and performers and musicians, and they're all doing this thing. We get we get two. Geelong gets two. You yeah, know, another nights. yes for Geelong. Go Geelong. <laughs> you know, like, fuck yeah. hell, man. It's great, and you know, like. Um, in, in the past, like, uh, I think I was, I think I was involved with some Geelong After Dark stuff when I was still working at Pop Culture, because um, they used to set up a big Hulk in the oh, alleyway okay. there and was stuff. Was it glowing? Like, you know. Nah, it didn't glow, but we had, like, art set up where kids could come and paint little toys and stuff. Oh, that's but, like, cute. So I think I remember doing that a little while back when it first kind of started, but since then, net getting to go just as a punter, it's really fun, because like, there's all kinds of stuff happening along you know, the kind of hippest little parts of Geelong in that little CBD and you yeah. can wander around. That's kind of lovely. And, yeah. it's, and like we were talking about before, like it's that weird thing when I first moved back to Geelong from Melbourne, you're like, oh, there's nothing here in this fucking void, you know, it's yeah. just like, and then you'd start to kind of look around and you realize people are doing these amazing things. And you're like, oh, I need to pull my head out of my ass and stop being such a hater. You yeah, know? And definitely like, and, just and get, get involved. involved. Yeah. And this like is... the more you get involved, the more stuff you find out about. Like, mm. like oh, there's also this and this and this. And it's like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to keep it's going. Pretty, yeah. Exactly. It's pretty easy to be cynical when like you're looking around from your like window your of your tiny house. bubble. Yeah. <laughs> get out of the bubble. <laughs> so um, I have a... a long history with the courthouse youth arts being the first time I ever got on stage in the metal band La Morte, which really keeps getting talked about on this podcast. Yeah. Sweet. So we got up uh, metal mayhem. I think it was like metal mayhem two or three. What's your uh, instrument? Huh? I used to do metal vocals. I used oh, to really? Like little, yeah, Can you give us a little example, Rory? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Pug it's Williams, Pug Williams replaced me in Lamont. Oh, so when okay, I left, yeah. he stepped up. So he could do a much better version of that. Still can. Probably did it long after dark. Okay. Um, but we did Metal Mayhem at the Courthouse Youth Arts when I was like 15. Wow. Which was 15 fucking years ago. Um, and yeah, so so we always had a really like good standing with the Courthouse. And as I got older, a few of us got more involved in kind of the production side of things and things like that. And it is, it's a really fantastic opportunity for people to learn practically in that sense. Um, and with you saying them rebranding as platform, which is very exciting. Yeah, so definitely. what's on the cards for, for the, for the rebrand or for the relaunch of platform? Um, 
honestly, so when I went to the rebranding event the other night, I actually missed the first half an hour where they were talking about <laughs> what is involved with the rebranding. So what we're going to do is you get me in contact with someone there and then come on the podcast. And <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, no, just that'd take, be a good just idea. Just take the pressure off you, man. You know I just I think heaps of new programs um, for artists and for actors. Um, yeah, I, go onto their website and have a sauce. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. I thought you would know. No, I mean, they, they just have heaps of exciting opportunities for artists there. So if you're an artist in Geelong, it would be good to get involved with them. There you yeah. go. If you are, And even if you're not an artist in Geelong. Yeah, like, just right? go suss it out. Go you see know. an exhibition. Go see a play. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Unreal. So... Um, Tell us a little bit about that mural we were talking about earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, the curator of Courthouse Now Platform um, just got me involved with a mural project that they're going to be doing. So next to the courthouse, um, there's a laneway and has like a 12 meter long mural, like mm-hmm. 10 or 12 meters. Um, that's a couple of years old now and they want to repaint it. So they've invited a few artists um, and also have teamed up with this other creative program in Geelong called Art Gusto, cool. um, which is a creative program that works with people with learning disabilities. And um, they have uh, their own studio gallery space um, off Little Mallet Street in oh, Geelong. That's so cool. So we're going to be teaming up with them. I think there might be like eight artists involved in total um, to come up with a collaborative mural project. So how do you fit your art into that mural? Like, do you guys have discussions beforehand? Like, yeah. this is what I'm doing. I'm not really sure. We've only had one meeting so far. We're just kind of like spitballing ideas about what we might want to paint. So I think we're going to meet several more times before painting begins. Uh-huh. Um, but it should be a really fun j- project. I know for certain that there's going to be a dragon in the painting. <laughs> Apparently one of the girls from Art Gusto who wasn't there the other day, they were like, oh, if she's included, there definitely has to be a dragon. Was in like because she's really good at painting dragons? She loves dragons. And I'm like, I also love dragons, so I'm all about that. And what kind of dragons are we talking about? Are we talking like a traditional Chinese, like a Game of Thrones? Like, like, you know, dragons are... Mm, Yeah, it's a broad spectrum of dragons out there. I like them all. (laughs) Um, Good. You don't want to piss off any people that like specific type of dragons. You know, you don't want to offend those guys. Um, The one, the piece, the dragon piece that I saw in Art Gosto was kind of leaning towards that more traditional style of dragon. Yeah. And I was thinking um, it would be good if we gave it a G name and then it could be G something. The Guardian of Geelong. Oh, (laughs) that's awesome. I would love to have a guardian of Geelong that's a dragon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Any type of dragon in my life would be great. <laughs> doesn't have to guard anything, you know, it can just hang it out. Just like be my pet and yeah, friend and I'll take it like... for an occasional fly around the block. <laughs> Shit hot. That's amazing. Well, that's really exciting. So when does, the, when does the mural, so there's a bit of planning, obviously. When does that kick off? Is that for next yeah, year? Or? Yeah, I think we might do it in Jan because December is a little bit crazy busy for everyone yeah, for sure um yeah so just keep your eye out for that it should be a really fun project yeah. i'm excited to be involved that's really cool mm. and i guess now that you're an established artist who's done stuff you know like i feel like they'd be looking to you as a bit of a wise elder now for these young you got any <laughs> somewhat established i could get some young artists yeah, under I'll, your I'll wing and teach yeah. them some stuff is that mm. is that a part of your plan as well 
I, I guess happy to talk art with anyone who wants to talk about it. Yeah, you got to pass on this knowledge. Yeah, you know? definitely. Much I'm like all willing that. to pass off my wisdom. Do <laughs> <laughs> you feel like we've we've covered a lot of ground today on this podcast? Like, are we? Yeah, we, definitely. Nothing this we want to wrap up, or are we going to? Yeah, one more thing um, for anyone listening out there who likes my work. I am going to be having another solo exhibition at Analog in February, and it's going to be kind of a retrospective so look back at all of the work that i've created over the past couple of years oh yeah are we going to go back as far as like black and white photos no of you? Uh, i don't think we'll go back that far oh. but maybe maybe i should include sneak, it to just sneak one just really you know yeah, cringy just, teenage bit of art as well yeah maybe just a few to show that moment of transformation when you say retrospective like how far jokingly aside with that <laughs> how far are you going to go back well the, like there's one painting that i definitely want to include that i painted in like 2014 or 13 maybe cool um so quite far back but not all the work is that old it's just kind of like a progression just want to show the progression of my style leading up to now the moment that i'm in so hopefully you can have this another exhibition new after. exciting piece of yeah mm, oh, show wow. the old before the new yeah it's really exciting mm, i'm excited so february february next, next yep. year uh, february 15 saturday Oh, so it's already locked. Yeah, like, it's locked in. Yeah. Put in your calendars now, everyone. Yeah, pop it in. Don't have a name for it yet, but there's going to be some music as well. My housemate, Matt Hall, um, also known as Bluey Moon and a part of the Sunnyside Boys, is going to be playing some beats and we might even do a little collaboration together. So Cool. Yeah. How, do, how do you do that? Do you interpretive dance over his music? Well, uh, that's a good idea. Good yeah. No, I really would like to sing a song with him. Wow. Yeah. Um, try to overcome that fear oh, of myself. Say, That's yeah. just you. You gotta, you gotta do it. Yeah. Well, the exhibition's gonna be all about me, so I may as well put myself all the way out there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. All right. Now, look, listeners, we did a um, lightning round with Laura Veza a couple of weeks ago. It was fantastic. Then we did Rob last week. Didn't have time because we were like pushed right up to the end of uh, well, when band practice started. But we're gonna do lightning yes. round today with. Jenna, so yes. let's right. let's start. So, analog or digital? Uh, digital. <laughs> I know that's so funny. We're talking about analog. Cameras I know, all that's what I was it. thinking. I'm like analog Fuck. for sure. Fuck I'm like, no, I'm a digital gal. Digital. Uh, what time do you wake up today? For quarter past five. Fuck, that's early. It Why is so early. early. I had a coffee date with a friend at six thirty a.m. But it was good. I got to see the sunrise first time in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Shit up. Um, last thing you read. Um, I've been reading this book called uh, Concerning the Spiritual in Art by Wassily Kadinsky. Yeah, that's what I've been reading. Sounds like everything that's going on in your brain right now. Like, Yeah, a little yeah. bit. It's all about um, like our emotional and spiritual connection to colour and shape and oh. line. Yeah. Very cool. It's very interesting. Um, what's your first memory? <laughs> Hey, I, didn't, I didn't invent these questions. This is all Laura. Yeah. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what my first about. memory is. But I, I, I don't know. Pass. Pass. Yeah, let's pass the lightning <laughs> round. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Obviously. Mm. Uh, last thing you cooked? A chicken and bacon schnitzel burger. Mm. <laughs> Fun. Um, if you were reborn, who or what would you like to be? A dragon. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that was the most lightning of lightning. Um, what inspires you? Everything. Mm. 
Last record you played? Uh, um, well, I've only ever owned one physical record, which was a Pink Floyd record, so I guess that one. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the man in, and he's got the burning suit on the front and mm-hmm. he's shaking hands. Yep. Yeah. Um, favorite piece of musical equipment? Yeah, I like the saxophone. Oh, yeah, good. yeah, I like the sax. Yeah, no, you you, you had trepidation going into that. But I was like, going to nah. say keys, but I'm like, no, I'm really into wind instruments at the moment, so sax. <laughs> uh, uh, last movie you saw? Um, oh, oh, actually, um, I watched. The newest Spider-Man movie recently. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you feel about that? I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, yeah. What's, what's not to like? You know, Jake Gyllenhaal. I love little... Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Anything with him in it, it's great. And there was a big twist in it, so I liked the surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you love? Everyone. <laughs> Me, myself. <laughs> do you have any pets? Um, I will we, call them my pets. My housemate... Ha- housemates have a cat and a dog um called lennon and magic lennon yeah lennon the cat and magic the dog and they are both beautiful but also oh my god my family's gonna kill me my family have a staffy called mason and he's he's good too <laughs> Really convincing. <laughs> no i do love them all uh are you useful yes <laughs> without a doubt <laughs> biggest fear Maybe singing in public. Ooh, yeah. fuck, or can... jumping out of a plane. That freaks me out. Even the thought of it. <sighs> okay, cool. No. So we can t- we'll do the singing first. Jump out of a plane. Maybe 2021. 20, yeah, maybe on my deathbed. <laughs> Throw me out. <laughs> That's the worst way to go ever. How do you want to die? Oh, my no, no, I will have already true. been dead and they can chuck oh. me out then. <laughs> um, what do you value the most? Ooh, um, love. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Now we're bringing in some extra lightning round questions. These ones on behalf of Dwayne Jackson. Thank all you, right. mate, Thanks, for sending Dwayne. them through. Um, anime or Disney? Anime. Oh, yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Ooh. But only next gen. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I love um, Make it so. Luke Picard, Captain... <laughs> Captain Picard. <laughs> Amazing. Um, are you more of a Batman or a Robin? Uh, I think I'd be a Batman, yeah. Yeah? No what? one's sidekick. <laughs> uh, who's your favourite Ninja Turtle? Or even oh, the colour? Purple. Purple? Yeah, purple's my favourite colour, so I'll it's, go. It's not because you like Donatello, it's just because you like the purple? Yeah, I don't even remember the names, just purple. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, thank you so much for coming oh. on the show, Jenna. That was a fantastic. Ex- thank you for uh, having me. That was great. <laughs> Love talking shit with you. Um, so yeah. So what was the final plug? So, uh, February 15. Yep. My exhibition. You're going to be singing live in front of people. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's still, yeah, I, I would like to, we'll see how it pans out. <laughs> and on top of that, just, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled around the Geelong area because yeah. you're, uh, you, you're with the family now. You're doing some mm-hmm. transcendent shit. Keep an eye on my, um, Instagram, which is just at Jenna Kernigan. Um, 
I'll tag you Good in, luck in the spelling post. it. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> people can follow the link from my yeah. Instagram across to yours and check out all your work because it's all there, right? Do you have it? Is your work anywhere else or is it all just pretty much on Instagram? Yeah, I don't really use Facebook. So just Instagram and I have a web shop as well. If you're interested in buying prints, suss it out. The link's in my profile. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, there'll be exciting stuff coming up over the summer. So keep keep your eyes. Watch that space, you know. fantastic thank you so much for coming on thank you hello welcome to the post ramble for episode number 11 two of swords again that's a first time first time that's happened we're getting the double up and i think it's kind of interesting maybe there's some parallels between uh between jenna and jaden bath maybe it's their can-do attitude you know it's funny they um we introduced the idea of inverted cards last week with rob Maybe these ones were supposed to come out inverted for these guys to, to opposite that. Jenna seems very sure of herself, very confident with her art. Um, and it's a big part of what I really like about Jenna. She's always putting out art and it's always kind of amazing, you know, like she just keeps making cool shit. It keeps, it keeps, it seems to keep getting cooler as well. I think that's kind of why I was interested to have her on the podcast and just kind of understand a little bit of that. And I think that uh, her mentioning psychedelics and working hard and even going to school, there are all really good reasons to be good at what you do, you know. Um, I've in the past maybe run away from the idea of schooling, uh, mainly due to my lack of attention span. I don't think I'm about to handle school, but I certainly understand the value of learning new shit. Like uh, I think just it's, it's there's easier ways now, like Skillshare or YouTube tutorials. I don't have to worry about like I don't know throwing away thousands of dollars. I'm not trying to sink the uni industry, anyone. Like I'm just saying, like fuck, it's a lot of money. A lot of debt. <laughs> There's a lot of debt floating around. Um, anyway, what the fuck am I even talking about? Um, yeah, it was great having Jenna on. Uh, her art is fantastic. Uh, we've talked before, um, usually while a bit drunk, about some kind of collaboration, me doing some kind of video, her doing art. And uh, I thought doing the podcast would be a good way to kind of kickstart that collaboration. So if uh, we ever do anything, I'll make sure it's visible on the Instagram or something. <laughs> Maybe I need to start like a, a really annoying male chimp mail out letter maybe i should start doing those for you guys that when you never sign up for them and then like you buy a product and you're like oh fuck here we go like every week fuck so annoying anyway i'm just rambling this really this could be the most post ramblest post ramble you know what it probably is it's probably that i've got this new music underneath me now it just feels a bit more like i don't know there's no urgency anymore it's just like this song's playing i'm just talking some shit it's the end of the podcast anyway. Like, this is the credits that most people would skip, let's be honest. And, like, I don't have any Marvel movie reasons to stick around. Like, I don't drop any hints for, like, how to win money or anything. So it's like, why the fuck would you listen? Unless you're a fan of mine, which <laughs> that makes me feel really nice. Or you just can't be fucked uh, getting up and, and stopping the podcast because you're, like, lazy sitting somewhere. Nah, you're in your car. Or you're, like, walking the dog or something. I don't think people sit around on a couch listen to podcasts, do they? Maybe they do. If you are one of those people and I'm speaking directly to you and you are on the couch being like, no, that's fucking me. That's me right now. Send me a message at uh, Lady on Instagram. If you have Instagram, that would be great. Anyway, um, this episode was fun. It was fun because we could talk about Geelong. I uh, saw a lot of parallels in Jenna and I um, being young people who wanted to do art and then <laughs> moving to Melbourne and then coming back and feeling a bit weird about coming back. There's always something strange about coming back to your hometown, like specifically Geelong with Melbourne. That's a very, a lot of Geelong people know a lot of other Geelong people who like became Melbourne people and then became Geelong people again, you know? And it almost has this like weird kind of connotation to it. And it's like, nah, fuck it. Like Geelong's sick. 
you know? I would tell anyone to move here and like, I really enjoy living here. I find it weird, like, I'm gonna throw my brother under the bus. So we, uh, I was gonna tell you a quick little story about my brother. So when we were doing all the design stuff and we we're talking about Fuck You Tara Lady and its initial concept so he could make, you know, my amazing designed, you know, Instagram layout and the logo and all that kind of stuff, all the branding. He was talking about, he goes, it's gonna be like a Melbourne based podcast. And I'm like, no, I think I'm gonna say I'm from like Geelong. And he's like, oh, don't say you're from Geelong. And then it was like, yeah, like he grew up in Geelong. Like he knows what it's like to come from Geelong. And it's very easy to say you live in Melbourne. It's very easy to say you live in Melbourne when you're my brother who actually lives in Melbourne. I live in Geelong. Like it would feel like uh, disingenuous. It would feel, is that the right word? I kind of am stoked that I'm from Geelong. My grandfather just got a ferry named after him. Um, he was the coach to Geelong football team uh, during the premiership win in 1963. Um, so he's a, he's a premiership winning coach for the AFL and he's my late grandfather, you know, and he's, you know, he was originally from Ballarat, but he moved to Geelong and like Geelong was his home and Geelong was a beautiful part of the world to him. And it is, if you look at it that way, I know when it comes to art and culture and coolness, like maybe like we might be a little bit behind. <laughs> Some parts of Geelong are still, you know, struggling to get, you know, gluten-free options in a lot of their meals. Vegan, vegan stuff. Vegan stuff's probably getting a bit better, but it'd be fucking harder to be a vegan in Geelong. Anyway, that's all the stuff that I'm saying. This is the stuff that's like, you know, but it's a smaller town. Like people who want to be cool move to Melbourne and that's it. But it's the people that want to stay in Geelong and make Geelong its own type of weird, you know, like making Analog Academy and making, you know, like a space safe, like, um, like platform, the old courthouse. You know, like doing these things and having them happen in Geelong is what builds scenes, is what makes things happen, you know? Like, I think talking about being from Melbourne and being from Geelong and the pride that comes from Geelong, funnily enough, a lot of pride that came from being from Geelong for me, like in my experience in the past, like you've got stuff like King Gears now and the Murlocs and all these things that are coming out of like the more coastal parts, but like, Fuck man, you know, Geelong's had its pretty good run, especially in like the metal and hardcore scene in like the last, you know, when you think about prime time, like during like, I don't know, the Red Shore and all that kind of stuff, like it was pretty cool to be from Geelong then. Like I loved being from Geelong. We had the best shows, we had the best, like no gigs missed Geelong. That was the fucking number one thing that was sick. Like as an underage kid, I could see like every show I wanted to see because they had fucking AA on the Sunday day and then they'd have like a gig on the Sunday night and you could get, you know, like a fake ID to get into the Nash for both gigs and you'd be able to see your favorite band twice. One of them, you don't have to worry about the ID. You just go because it's AA and they just like box up the fucking back of the bar and you just like see sick bands. I saw so many sick bands when I was like 16 because they played Geelong because the scene was strong down there. So I think that people like Jenna um, uh, doing a great thing with the vanguard of like being a part of Geelong After Dark and doing arty things and knowing these people and like talking about bands like Final Final like all of these things are like oh yeah there's some stuff happening and there always is there always will be but you gotta look outside your bubble and I think when people move back from Melbourne they don't want to look out the bubble they just want to be like annoyed in their little house and be like there's nothing going on down here I have to drive to Melbourne to see my friends it's like nah man like make friends in Geelong or make Melbourne people come to Geelong you know um, yeah, fuck. Torquay Hotel has f sick gigs. We saw a tropical fuckstorm there and it was amazing, you know? In, I, just, I could just Uber home, sick. So much easier than Ubering home from fucking, from fucking Melbourne gigs. Like, I, I've never done that. I'll, I'll stay at someone's house before I fucking pay $150 for an Uber if I miss 
the fucking train. So you just organize, you just organize to crash somewhere, don't you? Get a swag, get a big enough car to sleep in, get a van. Most people listening to this podcast probably already have a van or a big car or camp. I wonder what the fuck people listening are like. Hmm. Anyway, I think I've rambled for ages. The music, it's probably had to loop. I probably had to do some kind of trick to like loop the audio because it only goes for like three minutes. Anyway, I want to thank Klaus Bergman for doing that track. That's really cool of him. Um, if you're listening, Klaus, thanks, mate. We'll get you on the show at some stage. That'd be really cool. He also did the theme music as well. Um, uh, some people lately have noted that they really enjoy the random percussion, which I also really enjoy too. And I think I'm pretty sure I said that. I'm like, can you just put in like some random percussion? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's good. I think it's the thing that people remember about the theme song. So it's got some kind of hook, I think. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm just a weirdo and I like random percussion and someone just mentioned it and I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? And they were like, no, nah, it's, it's not. It's appreciate it. Should, should get someone to do a better version of that song. But it's like, I like the song, so you have to just deal with it. And I got very loud then. It's going to go, it would have peaked red. Anyway, I'm going to go watch Watchmen. Um, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Thanks. <laughs>